off to a great start, guys. Uh, we started with our young people. We had, oh, I actually have numbers here. We had 150 junior high schoolers and high schoolers here last Thursday night. We had 44 elementary students that gathered as well because uh, this is for the whole age group. And we had, I don't know, probably 50 adult helpers or more. I would imagine it was crazy. There were so many adult helpers that there was no food left. That's, that's how many adult helpers we had. And I bet you about uh, two-thirds of them said, we don't really know what to do. It's like, just smile. Just make people feel welcome. And at the end of the night, at the end of the night, the altar call was given, and it was given this way. If you've never given your life to Jesus before, if you've never made a public commitment of faith, if you've never put your trust in him and said, I, there is no other way but, but your way, then now is the time for you to make this commitment. Stand to your feet. And remember, first time, and 33 students stood to their feet of the 150. Publicly proclaimed Jesus. The altars were full. And so I know people are like, you know, was that Mr. Jones dressed like a zombie? I can neither confirm nor deny that Mr. Jones may be in the nightmares of some children uh, yet today. They say, well, why, why would we do that? You know, zombies are scary. I mean, I just know that sometimes just telling somebody something, it doesn't stick. But Mr. Jones looking like the living dead, that sticks, right? So you say, I don't, I don't know if I like the technique. Hey, we're having church on Halloween Sunday. We're calling it harvest party, but we're dressing up as that Halloween. Listen, so that's the devil's holiday. The devil doesn't get a holiday in Fenton, Michigan. Any way we can get people to come and hear and enjoy and hang out. We're not here to guard ourselves from the world. We're here to attack the world with light and salt. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll kidnap one of their holidays. And we'll get it saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And we'll send it out in the streets of Fenton, Michigan, preaching Jesus, right? So if you're like, I don't know if I like this, I'm with you. I'm 56. I'm not sure if I'm not the old guy in the balcony of the Muppets laughing at everybody. It's just, it's coming more and more naturally. But I'll tell you this, when you see 33 kids say, I've never given my life to Jesus, but tonight I'm going to, next week I'll dress up like a zombie. If it makes a point, and the point brings us to the truth, and the truth is responded to by the power of the Holy Spirit, we better be careful what we criticize. Somebody say amen. <laughs> not that I've heard anybody criticize it, because you wouldn't say it to me, because I'd punch you. But zombies, right? In fiction, zombies are these like the walking dead, right? They, they kind of do this little whatever, and they, they roam the earth, and they consume, but they never get fat. I'm jealous about that. They, they, they seem to have this endless energy. You never see a zombie sleeping. They're always coming after you. Um, they're always hungry. They're animated, but there's just, they're, they're lifeless. There's nothing really alive inside of them, and they just roam the earth. And, I, and I, when I first thought about zombies, I'm like, you know, the same thing is true of teenage boys. But let's not, let's not go there. That there. There seems to be this, like, going to church, and I'm hungry, and they walk out. But zombies, um, they, they are, I guess, the, the definition, they're the walking dead. And, of course, they're fictional, even though I've met two uh, in Haiti, <laughs> legitimate zombies that were brain damaged through uh, witch doctors drugging them. They, some die, some don't. Those who don't come back brain damaged, and they whatever, and then the witch doctor says, I called their souls from the grave, and they get great uh, fear amongst the villagers. It's nuts, right? But I'm just saying this, that by and large, that's a brain-damaged person, not a zombie. Somebody say amen, right? But in reality, I, I, think, I think there really are zombies because I, I run into them all the time. I run into people that are, that are lifeless but animated. You look into their eyes, and you see something that doesn't have any energy, any real life, any spark. I watch them consume, 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 but never get full. I watch as, as everything they pursue turns to ash in their mouth. And, and in the end, there's nothing really to celebrate. There's nothing really to mourn. There's, there's just another day to get up and do it all over again. Now, how many of you guys know God didn't create the earth and God didn't create people to live that way? How many of you guys know that as sons and daughters, 
was what God had in his heart towards you, that, that it's almost an insult to our creator to kind of walk consuming but never being satisfied, to, to be lifeless, to have no joy, to, to find other zombies than attack people on horses with cowboy hats. You know what I mean? It just, it doesn't make sense. But how did this all begin? It begins a long time ago in what the Bible describes as the Garden of Eden. It's a place that God created just for mankind. And this powerful, beautiful, sustaining, healthy, pure place is where God created the first thing called the family. Adam, his wife Eve, and it's, it's utopian. It's beautiful. They're created in beauty for beauty. They have a purpose. They're not lifeless. He says, now be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Like, like their to-do list was everything. How many of you guys know if your to-do list included filling the earth? That's a big to-do list. I have a to-do list that's never to done. It's, it's all, I'm always adding something else to it. There's always one thing. How many of you guys have had something on your to-do list for more than a month? It's, how many of you guys are glad we have phones with to-do lists on it? Because we used to make to-do lists and then we lost them. Anybody else besides me? Like, it's, we're, I don't know. That, why, why aren't you doing your to-do list? I lost my to-do list. It's embarrassing, but it's true, right? So God creates this perfect thing and gives them perfect purpose and perfect order and perfect reproduction. And everything's pure. Everything's right. Everything's lovely. Everything's powerful. And then the disease came. Kind of like you find in uh, the, the sci-fi movies. There's always one guy that, you know, what was it in 20... 21. Wasn't there a movie like in 2021 where Generation Z or Apocalypse Z? What was that Z movie with Will Smith in it maybe? No? I robe now. Anyway, everybody dies. And it's because there was, there was a pandemic and they got vaccinated. <laughs> you guys saw that one? For real. And then they all turned into zombies. It's like, no, no. It's, and it was made like 10 years ago. I'm just saying, think about it. Don't think about it. So I was saying, yeah. The disease came. Well, what's the disease? The disease is sin. Sin is what steals life. Sin is what takes power. Sin is what replaces beauty. Sin is what compromises and weakens. And it, and it doesn't seem like such a big deal, right? We've got this powerful place, this beautiful garden, these perfect people, this purity, and then one sin enters and everything fails. It doesn't seem like such a big deal in, in a, a modern age where we're so intelligent and we know so much and we're linked globally to, to help each other through the crises of the day. Like, it's, it doesn't make sense. How could this one simple thing, this one, uh, you know, contagious thing called sin create what it has. But all reality, I guess clearly hear me, this is the premise of our day. All reality is based on truth. If it's not true, it's not real. If it's not real, it's not true. That's why I'm not afraid of zombies when I go to sleep at night because zombies aren't real. That's why I, I, I am afraid of Ohio State football because they are real. Well, it's going to be a great game this year, side note, right? All reality is founded on truth. But like, like, a, like a, a destroyed foundation, when truth is replaced with lies, when reality is placed with something unreal, when something substantial is replaced with nothingness, sooner or later that which is established on the bad foundation will crumble. Does this make sense? We see it in society. We see it in marriages. We, we see it in families. We see it in businesses. We see it in economies. We see it in our politics. We, we, anything that's based on something that's not true will eventually fail because truth succeeds and lies fail. Does this make sense? Because it's not real. And all sin starts with a lie. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. And let's just take a look at the first lie, what it was, who said it, and what happened when people responded to the lie the way they did. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, that's a cool font. Mine's very plain. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say? It starts there. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it, or you'll die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Now listen to this lie. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, 
and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. People say, well, why did Eve do that? Well, why did Adam be quiet while Eve was doing it? I think I blame Adam more than Eve personally, right? No amen because I know I get it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, ding, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together because that always works. That's a permanent covering. And, uh, and they made coverings for themselves. So God's creation, hear me, God's creation functions on truth. Does this make sense? The, the, the functionality of the kingdom of God is truth. The, the energy that flows through it is love. But the established reality of the kingdom is truth. Does that make sense? If it's not true, God didn't say it. If it's not true, somebody else said it, but it wasn't God. Every time they pass that tree, it, it, like, let's, let's say this microphone right here is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, don't touch that microphone. No matter what you do, don't touch it. Listen, you can touch everything in the room. You can eat everything and go everywhere. Yeah, I've commissioned you to reach the whole earth. But in this garden, in one place, there's one decision that if you make it, everything else will fall. Because the only reason you touch it, the only reason you eat it, the only reason you do what I told you not to do, is because you trusted someone else more than you trusted me. You love someone more than you love me. And every time Adam and Eve would walk through the garden, they walk past that tree, and God would go, Gabriel, hey, check this out. Watch, watch, they come by the tree. Ready? Watch, 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 watch. watch and they just walk right by. And they say, they love me, and they trust me, and they believe me. And in the cool of the day, he'd come and walk with those who loved him and trusted him and believed him. Next day, they'd get up and they'd walk past again, you know, and God say, hey, 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 watch, 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 watch. You ready? Watch, here they go. Here it comes. They're going to do it. Get it, get it, get it, get it. I sound like Danny Gold or something. Get it, get it, get it. Okay. They walk past again. Every time they prefer my truth over the promises of a lie, they're affirming the substance of this kingdom. That my word is true. That all I want for them is the best. That their joy is my joy. That their peace gives me peace. That their life gives me life. I am a loving, ongoing covenant relationship with them. And every time they choose to believe me, and they just, they totally George Jefferson passed it, right? Every time they get past him. <laughs> People that are under 40. I have to get new jokes. I'm sorry. They, they, they love me. They, they're not trusting that. They're trusting me, right? So one believed lie, one believed unreality accused God of being a liar. I, I hate that this is true. But when the devil lies to me successfully, if, if you notice the fingerprints on it, generally what it is is what God has told you to do or not to do is not the best. When, when, when temptation comes to me, temptation comes to me in the form of a lie, right? I'm in pain. How do I relieve my pain? Well, you just do this. What's the Bible say? doesn't matter. Pain hurts. I want out. When pleasure comes, hey, you know, if you just kind of, it's right, it's who's going to, it's no big deal. What do you, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I believe that lie. I move out from what God has told me to do, and I do what I want to do, whether it's because of passion, pain, uh, whatever it is. When I do that, I'm believing a false promise. I'm walking in an unreal reality. I'm walking in lies, and the destruction comes afterwards. Does this make sense? See, a, a lie believed, hear me, a lie believed has the same power as the truth. You don't believe me? Look at a teenage daughter. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. She gets on Pinterest and realizes she's fat and ugly. She didn't know it before she compared her body to the airbrushed models uh, that, that have a global and morphed reality. She looked at a lie, believed the lie, and became a lie. Does that make sense? I looked at the lie. The lie said you've got to be, you know, you got to have the fat content of the microphone stand to be beautiful. And then it, it leads all the algorithms down to something that tells us more lies, extreme dieting, fasting, purging, anorexia, bulimia, because I'm trying to find, trying to become something that, sweetheart, you already were. 
trust me, you look in the eyes of your daddy, he's not looking at some fat kid. He's looking at his daughter whom he loves. You look in your mama's eyes and you say, mommy, am I pretty? She's never going to say, well, no, you're not pretty. If she does, then she's the liar who's believed a lie that's cursing you with something that's not true. But if you ever look at your heavenly father and say, what do you see when you see me? He won't say fat. He won't say dumb. I mean, you guys are glad you're not sitting in the front row. I just totally spit. I'm so sorry. Like, okay, it's more like a Gallagher concert than it is a sermon this morning. See, Jesus actually comes back to this moment in human history, and he refers to it in John chapter 8, verse 44. He says this. He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, you guys, you belong to your daddy, and your daddy's a devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. How much truth is in the devil? No truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. This is why Jesus comes as a rabbi and not as a king. Because a rabbi comes to teach truth. A king comes to rule with authority. He, you have to make up your mind before the kingdom has authority in your life. So he comes with truth and says, you have heard that it was said, blah, blah, blah. But I say unto you, what's he doing? He's teaching the truth. Not a truth. Not a sort of truth. Not a pseudo truth. He's teaching you the truth. He says, I actually am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He came to teach truth and liberate humanity from anti-reality. Somebody get this. He came to liberate mankind from a pseudo anti-reality, from building our houses on sand that gets destroyed every time the wind blows. John chapter 8, verse 31, he says this to the Jewish believers. These are Orthodox Jews. They're not believers in Christ, but the believers in the Torah. He says to the Jews who had believed him, they said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Listen, then you will know the truth. And what happens? The truth will what? What is the effect of truth on life? Liberty. What is the effect of lies on life? It's slavery. Now, why would anybody want to be a slave? Now, sign me up for that, man. Indentured servitude, losing my free will, being a slave to the pleasures, being a, being a slave to the lie, being a slave to fear. Why would anybody choose that? It's because fallen mankind has a weakness. Let me introduce you to the second player and the unholy trinity of, of sin. First is the lie. The second is the flesh. The word flesh in the Greek is the word sarks. And uh, I don't know why I put that up there. I just, I'm hoping some of you guys buys a bulldog and names him Sarks. It just would be fun, you know, because bulldogs are nothing but flesh. There's a big pile of flesh. And Sarks can mean things like, um, like the flesh of an animal that you eat. It can mean like a human body. But in this context, Sarks means that fallen nature. How many guys, how many guys wonder why you're full, but you still want to keep eating? Anybody know why? Sarks. You're, you're angry, and you've had your way, and you've yelled at the person, and you've done the thing, but you're not satisfied. You keep yelling. You, you go from anger into a sinful sort of abuse. Why is that? Sarks. This cannot be satisfied. It's a crying three-year-old in the checkout line at Walmart who saw the Hershey bar and is not getting its way. If you don't believe you have a problem with your flesh, I suggest you fast for three days. And you'll meet that three-year-old firsthand. You might, you might shave its face tomorrow or its legs the day after. But you will meet something that is accustomed to having its way. Spoiled and rotten is our flesh. Somebody say, oh my, right? John Mark Comer, one of my favorite authors that I just discovered last week, by the way, he said the flesh, in essence, it's a set of disordered desires. Disor I, I want what I shouldn't have. I want, I have a desire for poison. I have a desire for unforgiveness. I have a desire for revenge. I have a desire for untold wealth. I have a desire for fame and glory that is me-centric, right? And he says this as well. One way to think about temptation is to see all temptation as the appeal to believe a lie, to believe an illusion about reality. Genesis chapter 3 says it here. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Now, here's the lie. God said, thou shalt not. But why? Is that really true? Like, I mean, if you love each other, and the room gets extraordinarily quiet. That was fun for me. Love is love. Those who don't love love must be haters. But God says there's a certain way to express love. God says there's a certain context. You know, is fire good or bad? Anybody know? It depends. If it's heating your home, it's good. If it's burning it down, it's bad. So there's a certain context to truth. Love is love. Love is good. God is love. Love is blind. Stevie wonders God. Like, no. How did you get there? Well, logically, one step at a time, because it, it allowed me to have my flesh. The lie came to a flesh that wanted to believe something that wasn't true because it was easier than believing the truth because the truth sometimes calls me to sacrifice me. But my flesh never calls me to sacrifice me. My flesh always calls someone else to sacrifice for the satisfaction of my flesh. When we believe God's keeping something from us that's better than what he's given us, we walk into the destructive slavery of sin. And, and maybe you don't like the word slavery, but I don't like not quoting the Bible. So John chapter 8, verse 34, here's the Bible. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, everyone who sins, everyone who believes in unreality is a slave to that sin, is a slave to that lie. Today is not a nitpicky religious message to try to get us to somehow be perfect or be condemned. But as someone who struggled with alcohol because of believing lies, who struggle with pornography because believing lies, who struggle with the, the difficult seasons of marriage because of believing lies, who struggled certainly with pastoring this church and serving you guys for how long has it been? 20, 30 years, right? It, the, the only time I want to quit instead of finish is when I believe a lie. The only time I want out instead of through is when I believe a lie. The only time I, I want what I shouldn't have is when I believe lies that create dynamics where something that clearly is harmful to me, harmful to those I love, harmful to the church, harmful to the kingdom, harmful to the community, I just say it doesn't matter what they want, what I want is what I want, and that's when I destroy myself. Is this true? So look at this. Look at this, this next thing. Look at the, the, the examples here. Don't eat versus eat the fruit. Is it clear, though, through the rest of Scripture that eating the fruit was probably a mistake? Yes or no? I think it's pretty clear, right? It's not just a little mistake. It's the mistake. Replacing God's truth with Satan's lie was the mistake of mankind. Still is, right? Premarital sex versus abstinence before marriage. But, but we love each other. I, that's okay. I, I understand love. I understand wanting to express love. I understand God gave us the, the sexual, physical sensations for the purpose uh, of enjoyment and all that kind of stuff. And all the kids are like, I'm sitting next to my mom, Jim. Please, you're freaking me out. Don't do that to me, right? But, but abstinence is like, man, the logic is, here's the lie, right? The lie is, if you're going to be married for a long time, not for life, but for a long time, I mean, if I'm going to buy a car for five years, I'm going to want to test drive that baby before I buy it. Maybe the poor choice of words, but you get what I'm saying. I got to take this thing around the block a couple of times. I'm making a commitment to this. I'm going to pay $400 a month for the next five years at, you know, whatever percent interest. And, and I, you know, it's, at some point I'm going to be upside down in this. And I just, I don't know. Like, I, I, I want to do this. But before I do this, I want to make sure that it, it fits well. Do you know that the number one thing you can do, the number one common denominator of failed marriages versus successful long-term, lifelong marriages is premarital sex. So the lie is... It would be better to know each other in a biblical sense before you marry one another. But when doing that, how many guys know that lie comes with the flesh? The flesh goes, sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> you know, so one I have to wait and one I get to have sex. Huh. The only thing that would stop us from our flesh 
is a commandment that prohibits it because God says, I know better than you do. So the lie hits the flesh. The flesh then hits a worldly system. Let me look around. Let me see. Is this common? See, this is so outrageous that my mother would disown me. My father would beat me. Her father would shoot me. Then, then maybe I'll think, like, I don't know anybody that's ever lived with anybody. Like, we have arranged marriages in our community. We don't even know our spouse until the day of the wedding. Like, this, this whole thought is off the reservation. But, but if you look around the world, it goes, no, more people live together before a marriage and engage in sexual activity than those who wait until marriage. Well, it must be okay because everybody's... So you've got the devil, the flesh, and the world. Guys, hear me. The dynamic of all sin is a, a lie that hits a flesh that is contained in a world that loves to believe lies. What about uh, hate versus love? This is pretty clear, right? I hate that guy. Okay, are, are you better or worse because you hate that guy? Affair versus fidelity. I, you know, I mean... We were young when we got married. We didn't really know the things we know now. We weren't really sure what was going on. I mean, it's now that I know who I am, now that, you know, like my spouse knows who they are, wouldn't it be better? I mean, we'd be happier in the end. Do you know, statistically, if you want to make yourself miserable, get a divorce. You want to make yourself miserable and broke, have an affair. So the lie hits the flesh that wants what it wants and doesn't obey God. And when it does, it creates the destruction of families and homes. Are you still here? Revenge versus forgiveness. I hate that guy and I'll always hate that guy because of what he did to me in third grade. And he stole my tater tots. So I spit on his fish sticks and we rolled around in the playground. Two eight-year-old children, Hatfield, McCoy, you know, right? Or, hey, man, touch my tater tots again. I'll kill you, but I forgive you this time. How many of you guys know there's certain things at junior high school that are more important than other things? Tater tots are one of those things. But here again, the effectiveness of the lie. Ignatius of Loyola, he was the, the founder of the, the Jesuit um, sect of, of Catholicism. He said this, at the root of all sin is the unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. No, no, God's a cosmic killjoy telling me I can't have sex. God's the one who makes me feel guilty when I go three over the speed limit. God's the one who tells me to pay taxes and listen to my mom and brush my teeth and eat broccoli, which you can do both at the same time if you want. You have to chew longer, but you can floss while eating broccoli. It's true. So why would anybody believe something that isn't true? And again, it's the, it's the sin, it's the lie, it's the flesh, but then there's the world. Again, John Mark Comer, let me put this up. I added a couple of things in here. But the devil's primary stratagem is to drive the soul and society into ruin. Do you agree with that so far? The devil's primary, he can't hurt God, but he can hurt what God loves. So if he can destroy the world that God's trying to save, then it's, if I can't beat you up, but I beat up your kid, I still hurt you. So this is what's happening. So the devil's primary stratagem to drive the soul and society into ruin is deceptive ideas, which we've called lies, that play to a disordered set of desires, which we've called the flesh, and which are then normalized in a sinful society that the Bible calls the world. Lies are the disease. Are you seeing this? Lies are what creates zombies. In the movies, you get bit by a zombie, you become a zombie. But in real life, you believe a lie, you become a lie. You live the fruit of lies. Those who believe the lies catch the disease. When enough people are infected, the disease becomes normal. Virtual piano guy, join me if you would, please. Um, back to just a piece. Can I just do a testimony real quick? You guys okay with hearing three minutes of my testimony? When I would get drunk... The number one place I wanted to get drunk was, anybody know? A bar. Why? Why would I not want to sit in my room and read a good book and get hammered? 
Why was it I, I didn't want to get into my car on my motorcycle at the time and drive around drinking tequila? Why was it the number one place I wanted to get drunk was a bar? Anybody know? Hear me. The lie is you're a real man. This will assuage your pain. This will make you something you're not. This will take away something that's too heavy. That's the lie. My flesh goes, really? I, I don't have to wrestle for truth. I don't have to crucify flesh. I don't have to wait to mature. I can have what I want right now. So you, you go like a man to the PX and you buy the whatever pack and they get the bottle and you, you know, and you go back to your room and, you know, I, I think most people, um, at least in this area, had their first experience with peppermint schnapps, which is like puking scope out your nose. You know what I mean? Because it tastes so good, it can't be that strong and, right? But, you know, you learn how, how drunk is too. But it isn't fun to go back to the room and watch a ball game drunk. Matter of fact, if you're the only guy in the barracks that's drunk, you're not drinking. You are a... So you go to a bar. Because the lie believed creates a flesh dynamic that goes, I, I want this, but I don't want to feel abnormal. So I, I go to a place where, where doing what I'm doing is celebrated, not questioned. Does this make sense? And we do it. Th that's what the world is today. And, and I, I will not, I refuse to get in all the vax, don't vax, the mask, don't mask, the politics, the whose lives matters. But I will say this. Please hear me. The, the world is doing its best to create systems that punish severely those who don't agree with their systems. Do you see that? And, and, and I'm not saying that, that they shouldn't, uh, there shouldn't be certain stands on certain things. I'm simply trying to point out to you simply this. That if you're on the wrong side of a stand, you are immediately vilified by anybody on the other side of the stand. Does that make sense? What I'm simply trying to say is this. The world, that's not something new. <laughs> that's not some, some new trick. Yes, the, the government has now gotten involved. And, and whether you decide to vaccinate, you decide not to vaccinate. I know doctors that say vaccinate. I know doctors that say don't vaccinate. It is your choice. I respect your choice. Somebody say amen. But when the government walks in and says it's not your choice, it's my choice, a line has been crossed that I don't believe government serving us should cross. But, and, and this isn't get like, uh, you know, no mask, no, that's not what I'm saying. Did you hear that? I'm not saying that. You make your health decisions, they're personal, and you should do them on your own, and I'm going to stay out of your decision and respect whatever it is, right? But I'm also going to say this, please hear me, that, that we are thriving on a schooled piranha mentality that just wants to smell blood so we can all attack. That's the world. What Jesus did is he, he didn't stand outside the bar with a sign and say, you're all going to hell, you're all going to hell. By the way, they were all going to hell. But that's not the truth they needed. Jesus walked into the bar and sat next to the drunk and said things the drunk needed to hear so he understood that truth was greater than the lie that he believed so that he walks out of there saying, I'll never go back to the bar again. When, when I quit drinking, was I an alcoholic? According to various definitions, absolutely true that I was an alcoholic. At the same time, it wasn't this ongoing chemical can't breathe sort of, I didn't see pink elephants when I stopped drinking, but I was satisfied by something that was killing me, and then I met Jesus. And when I met Jesus, I was satisfied by someone who was giving me life, not something that was killing me. Instead of hanging out in a bar with a bunch of people that couldn't control themselves in any way, shape, or form, I started hanging out with people that loved Jesus who believed that crucifying the flesh was a greater path to real joy, real happiness, real life than the people that just got it on and woke up in somebody else's bed the next morning, Sunday morning. Instead of coming to worship God, if you worship at the altar of your flesh, you will destroy yourself. 
we must return to a firm obedience to the truth, to the way, to the life. And if you're here today and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't get this. I'm going to simply, well, these questions, here are these questions. What? What do you believe? Who do you give your trust to? Where have you placed your faith? Are you a slave or are you free? Hear me. Those are simple questions, right? If you tell me who you trust, I'll tell you whether you're a slave or you're free. I trust myself. I have a Ph.D., I have a MDiv, I have a BS degree. I know, I, I used to be full of degrees like that myself. And when I got a PhD, it just stood for piled higher and deeper. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's so simple. If any man wants to gain his life, he needs to lose it. A man who doesn't lose his life will never gain it. When we believe the truth, the truth sets us free. When we trust what Jesus has done for us, when we believe who he is and we place our faith in him, Jesus not only takes away our sins, hear me, he takes away the consequences of our sins. And, and that is the promise on which I hang my hat. I've done some stupid things. Anybody else? And if you didn't raise your hand, you lied in church. That's a stupid thing. But not only has God forgiven my sins, the man who was destroying the lives of others, now gets to live in the life of that woman as my wife. And the man who, through our anger and violence and prejudice and hatred, now gets to love humanity as a life, but also as my vocation. What I'm saying is this, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you've been, I don't care what lies you believe. Because one moment of truth is like the light coming on and a soul being saved. If you're here today and you're an atheist, I used to be an atheist. If you're here today and you're an addict, I used to be an addict. If you're here today and you struggle with sexuality, I used to dance in gay bars with men so they'd buy me drinks because I was an alcoholic. Bet you didn't know that about your pastor. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You'll crucify the flesh and you'll begin to live. You'll walk in the spirit as light and as soul. You can choose today who you will serve. It is your choice. You have a free will. You get to exercise it. I can't give it to you. I can't lay my hands on you. I can't smack you in the forehead and lay you down and Benny hand your butt. All I've got is truth. And truth today is enough to set you free. Would you bow your heads all over this room? Father, I pray that you would show us the chemical compound of, of sin and its destructiveness. I, I, I pray today, God, I pray today, God, that you would stop the lies of the liar, that you would crucify the flesh of those who want an easier way, and you would show us the insanity of the world because it's sin, it's lies, it's flesh, and it's a world system that leads the multitudes to their own demise, their own destruction. And I, I've never seen it as accelerated as I see it today. The truth, <laughs> uh, it, it just, it's almost like the truth is the one thing everybody wants to attack. No one ever stubs their toes and screams, oh, Muhammad. Oh, Buddha. The devil's done everything he can. Question every word of your word question every promise of your promises, question every person of your family. 
And yet the church is growing at a pace that it's, it's never seen before. Billions, 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 billions today on this earth that believe, that trust. Father, I pray that this group of people, we would see what is untrue, that is unreal, that we'd confess it to you as sin. We didn't pass by the fruit. We stopped and we ate of it. But we can stop again because the same blood that set them free that day is the same blood that can set us free today. Hear me, in, in, in literally like one minute, you'll be making a decision one way or the other. It'll be up to you. 2,000 years ago, God sees the condition of mankind, and certainly there's a realization in his heart from the foundations of the world that we're not going to make it without help. But what can he possibly pay that would counteract the effects of lies, that counteract the effect of my, my willfulness to sin, that would counteract the results of my flesh? How, how can I be so filled with what God hates and yet be the son that God so loves? What, what can he possibly do to buy me back out of the slavery that I've sold myself into? And this is the solution. God the Father turns to his son, Jesus Christ. And in a moment that is not recorded for us, but someday I believe we'll celebrate over and over and over and over again, there's the acknowledgement that they're never going to make it without you. And Jesus says yes. And he commits to do his Father's will. But the word of God, the truth of God, becomes flesh. He dwells among us. He passes from the glory of eternal heaven to the birth canal of a virgin laid in the feed trough of a donkey. He knows what hunger is, cold is, rejection is. He has to face down fear, doubt, lust, everything that, that ever defeated anybody in the world, Jesus had to face. He had to be tempted in every way we're tempted. Yet he, he was never, if, if this is going to work, he has to defeat everything that's defeated us. The last temptation is that, that feeling we get sometimes where God seems like he's a million miles away and he cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting scripture, but he's also letting us know 2,000 years later, he knows what it feels like to just have to believe even though there's no feelings, even though there's no sense of proximity, even though there's, there's no, you just feel totally let down, totally abandoned, totally lost. Jesus cries out naked, beaten, crucified, a crown of thorns on his head, mocked, spit on. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And even then, Jesus doesn't surrender to the pain. He doesn't surrender to the grief. He doesn't surrender to the hurt. He pushes through and does exactly what his father wants him to do. And as he dies, the price, everybody say price. The price for my sin is now completely paid for. It is finished. Tatalestai is the Greek phrase. It means paid in full. <laughs> this contract is now closed. This debt is now paid. This prisoner is now free. This son is now adopted. This child is now in family. This community is being birthed. One decision at a time when someone says to God, I believe that who you are and I believe that what you've done is adequate and more than enough to redeem me from my lies. It just, if anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation. I believe that. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. I believe that. Because God is on my side, and God doesn't just say, believe in me, believe in me, believe in me. But God says, I believe in you, I believe in you, I believe in you. He gives us a free will to undo by reaching out not for the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, but of the fruit of his grace and his mercy. And today, salvation is offered to mankind with a simple price of giving everything you are to him. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's be honest, there's not much good sometimes. That was a great offer for a guy on a bar stool. Maybe it's a great offer for you today, too. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Today, like Jim, today, I've seen the effect of lies in my life.
but I also believe I've seen the effect of truth through Jesus. And I choose him. I choose to give him my life. I choose to give him my sin, all my yesterdays, that he would pay for them by the atoning blood of the sacrifice of his one and only son. I, I give everything to him today because he gave everything to me on that day, so only that. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed on the count of three. If you're here today, you're like, yep, I need the mercy of God. Yep, I need God to counteract the effect of, of sin. I, I need truth to win. I need, I need Jesus, man. I need his way. I need his truth. I need his life. I take him up on his offer of redemption. I want to know God. I want to be free. I'm tired of being a slave to sin. I'm tired of repetitive cycles of failure. I want out. I want him. I want freedom, and I want it now. If that's you, and I come to three, I want you to raise your hand. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed all over this room. One, today. Holy Spirit, do your work. Today, I give my life. Today, here I am. Today. Two, without a moment of hesitation, without an ounce of fear, not worrying what the people around you are thinking, it's between you and God right now. Today, I give my life to Jesus. That's you. I want you to raise your hand right now all over this room. Thank you. Oh, God bless you. Today's the day's the day. Today's the day. Here's my life. Here I am. 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 Today's the day. Here's my life. Your eyes are closed, but it's so beautiful. There's some people, like whole families, saying today's my day. Today's my day. Individuals, today's my day. Young people, people that are my age, here's today. Here it is. I, today's the day. Father, I pray for every uplifted hand. In this month, we, we're going to reach out to people and just, just preach gospel, just preach truth, just counteract lies, God. I pray that these would be the first, uh, uh, you know, I guess the second group of people since the youth that would say today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day I give my life to Jesus. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, as hands have been lifted, hearts have been opened. An act of, of knowledge has become an act of faith. And I pray right now, God, that you would redeem, that you would save, that you would heal, that you would deliver. Right now, all over this room, would you just say this with me? I, I haven't done this in a long time. I just feel like the Lord wants us to do this today. But just, would you just follow me in a simple prayer right now? Say, Jesus, I was wrong. And you were right. I believe you. I believe the truth. Now open my eyes to do what is hard, to do what is right, to do what is true. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me your word as I fight the good fight of faith. Forgive me my sins. Set me free. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. That's wonderful. God bless you. All right. So this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to sit there. And if you want to talk about what's going on in your life, um, I want to pray for you before you go. And, and by the way, if there's more than one of you, I'll say, hey, Dina, hey, Pastor Josh, hey, you know what I mean? Hey, SCA students. We'll, we'll, but let's not like fill the altars with prayer people so you feel like, eh, but I... I one of the greatest joys of my life is watching the light come on and seeing truth get planted and lies be, you know, broken off of your life. So if you wouldn't mind, I'll be selfish and just say I'd like to do that for a while. And uh, if you'd like to talk about anything, I mean, we can't have a counseling session for half an hour.